Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, Open the Voice Gate for July 11th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says Sponsor This Podcast. You can set, set up a one-time a reoccurring donation, no obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, Case Low and Case. We have a lot to get to this week, but how are you? Did, did you have a nice, uh, a, a nice weekend? Because I managed to throw out my back. You're the second person I know that that threw out their back. Friend of the show, Sean Sloan, also crippled with back pain right now. I, I forget about me. How are you doing? You know, uh, the 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 reason why I immediately threw that out there is because I did it in a dumb way. So I thought you'd get some joy in it. I think I pulled my bo- my my back setting off fireworks at a ranch last week. Well, that is incredibly Texas of you, dude. I I I know at one time twenty nineteen was Western wear from Mike Spears, but I, I I I I've been thriving. You know, I just get out of the city and you just stare in, into the nothingness and set things on fire. But somehow during that, like, I, I think it was like moving all the things around. I just felt like a twinge in my back. And ever since then, I just I, I will be I will be like re shifting my weight a lot on this show. If I could find a way to podcast laying down, that would be like the optimum position. I know I, I know that that's not as a sportsman what I should do. But there's a part of me that's like, can I just like attach this uh, microphone to a uh, uh, to a bedside table and I can just record that way. But I, I, I'm going to get through it. We have a lot of really fun stuff to talk about this week. But how are you doing, buddy? If I could find a way to podcast and lay down, I would also podcast and lay down. I remember, so when we record with Jay, we record really early in the morning because the time difference. And 
the the show we did before world last year that super depressing episode about halfway through i was like you know i'm sitting next to my bed i could just go lay on this but i i resisted i did not do that i had a setup in my airbnb that i was in recline just because of space reasons is the only way i i found a tv tray with my boom mic and i was able to get it going that way let me tell you this if we can figure it out case we're never going back we're never going back and it's gonna be something that for all the video podcasts they're going to find a way to put a camera above them in bed because it's going to change the industry I so desperately want to change the setup that I have, but I'm in this apartment for another year. There's no reason to do it. Financially, it doesn't make sense for me to do it. I, I could, uh, you know, I, I could see us one day. I'll throw this out here. Not now, not in the next calendar year. But Mike, I could see this becoming a video podcast one day. Would that surprise? Are you strictly anti-video? Oh, no, I am not anti-video whatsoever. I I actually did a video podcast last week. And, you know, it, That's it's right. something that... You have, a stream, you have a stream. I feel bad it's on Wednesday afternoons. That's, like, the busiest section of my week. So I'll always see after <laughs> the fact, like, Mike Spears oh, was talking shows. about this, this, and this. I'm like, oh, well, that sounded great. I would have liked to have been able to do that, but I was stuck in a meeting. Yeah, you know, that's why I do a podcast form of that, just because I pick the time that's convenient for me and not anyone else. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon is is the hardest sell for me. That's where there's no wiggle room in my schedule. And I was like, oh, Mike, Mike's talking about something cool. I'd like to hear that. And then I just, I'd never get around to it. Yeah, no, but, but I, I actually had a long conversation with someone. I think that video it's, it, it's something that like, we look at the numbers and, and not to go completely pre pro during the show, but you look at the numbers and how things go. And I just think that there's an end game that, youtube with video podcasting is just going to absorb everything like more so than spotify it just it's it's the killer app and that people are now just willing to attach like do do webcams and i mean lighting for video podcasts is stupidly easy nowadays and not that expensive that i just think that the industry probably within five years is going to be almost exclusively video based it seemed like covid really ignited that right where i don't feel like video video podcasts weren't really a thing in 2019 yeah, I mean, like, the, the biggest ones would have been Rogan. And Rogan, that was more very much like a studio-filmed one, like how, for people who are old enough to remember, like how like Howard Stern was taped when it yeah. was on E! It, it, it was not like a, a like a two-shot, as you would say, in production. It was a studio shot. So it, it was something that was really accelerated. I think, really, that that's just kind of a side, a side effect of COVID and Zoom calls, I think, is what's really led to that. It's interesting. Well, one day we'll have video. One day I'll have a bit of a a more aesthetically pleasing setup behind me than currently as I as I look behind the white walls I have with some framed Smiths records and some framed have heart records behind me. One day I'll have a bit of a Dragon Gate theme going on and then we can flip on the cameras. I think I am going to finally frame my programs and shoe pros. I think yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah, that'd be a good project for me. What I what I want is, and it's a shame because we obviously voice wrestling podcasting network, Rich and Joe, strictly anti-video uh, for their show. I want to be able to do this show in like Colin Coward studio where he has the giant desk. Oh, uh, oh, oh that wall, <laughs> that video yeah. wall? <laughs> yeah. He, ba- he basically built Trump's wall just in front of his sidekick. <laughs> like that person's on the ground in a recliner, basically, and Colin Coward's 10 feet in the air on a super desk. 
it, it's it, it it's something that like the one I'm obsessed with, and I know you're gonna roll your eyes a little bit about this case. Is uh, there's a YouTube channel kind of funny that has really taken off and has like a pretty strong production arm that they have like a full on LED studio. Like the floors are LED, the walls are LED, so they're able to kind of compartmentalize and have the desk right there. And I'm like, oh, the magic we can make with this. Just imagine the Don Fuji modeling a futon photos I could put up on that man. You know, I love what I do for a living, but I would so much rather be hit by a bus so I could just get some insurance money and talk about Drangate with you in a fancy podcast studio all day long. Hey, with Don Fuji looking down on us, but that's not the world we live in. Case it's been King of Gate season. We had the kickoff here. We we are used to uh, in previous years a nice little break after Kobe World, maybe a week or two. Maybe we can get to the buffet. Not the case now. Not the case in 2023. Four shows this week. A lot to get into. And one thing we're going to do with this episode, just first and foremost, just because of how King of Gate is, it's a lot of content. It's a lot of matches. We're going to lead off with something, speaking of Joe and Rich, that we're more than willing to spoil from them. Spoil, Spoiler-free match recommendations. We have now three nights of uh, King of Gate's in the book along with booyah then so okay so i'll I'll hand the baton off to you well what are your must watch must watch matches of this first week of king of gate 2023 so i'll go chronological here i'll make this quick to me these are the if you call yourself a dragon gate fan you need to go out and watch these matches this will get you caught up there's some stuff here i won't mention that i really enjoyed but this is the good stuff chronologically and with star ratings starting with mochizuki jr Susumu Mochizuki and Yasushi Kondo versus Ultima Dragon, Dragon Kid, and Don Fuji from July 7th, Cork and Hall. I went four stars on that. Masaki Mochizuki versus Madoka Kakuta from that same show, four and a quarter stars. Big Boss Shimizu versus Shun Skywalker from that show, four and a half stars. July 8th, the Buyuden show, Susumu Mochizuki and Yasushi Kanda versus Masato Tanaka and Takuya Sugawara, three and three quarter stars. And Masaki Mochizuki and Yamato versus Fuminari Abe and Minonori Sawa from that show, three and a half stars. And then from Osaka, July 9th, that Sunday show, one match there, Naruki Doi versus Coach Minora, four stars. All right. Mine, a little different from K's, but there's still some really solid stuff here. I went four stars on Ata versus KZ, King of Gate open first match of the tournament. And then the other two matches I would put up there, from the 7-7 uh, King of Gate kickoff, where both uh, Big Boss Shimizu versus Shun Skywalker and Madoka Kakuda versus Masaki Mochizuki had both of those at four and a quarter. Moving to Buyuden. I Buyuden, I'm going to have a lot to say about Kays when we get to Buyuden. There, there, there's a lot to get to. I really kind of wish that Buyuden did not happen in the middle of King of Gate season because I feel like we could just do an hour just talking about that. There was oh, a real, real quick, I I'm I feel the same way because I really wanted to do a written review on that show. That was my plan, and just life got in the way. I didn't have time because I was already doing the King of Gate Corkin review. There's a lot to say about this show. It was very fun. So sorry to cut you off there. Go go oh, no, forth with your recommendations. Not a problem. So Boyden, this was not Notebook, but I I I feel really passionate about this one. Benkei Minorita and Punch Tomonaga versus Hikari Sato Kawamura and Ito from Buyuden Zero Volume 2. Uh, Kakuda and Yoshioka versus Nohashi Masashi. I was four flat on that. And then the uh, main event opened the Twin Gate title match. I was three and three quarters. 
moving on to Shizuoka Hama, uh, Hamamatsu, I I was four for Dragon Lee and uh, uh, I'm sorry, Dragon Daya and Jason Lee, and then from Osaka, eight man tag M3K versus Natural Vibes four and a quarter, and then also the main event of that show, Kota Minora Naruki Dor Doi four and a half. That's my match of the tournament so far. I adored that. Really. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. It's a match that I'm mad that happened right here because that there's better places for this match. That's interesting. I can't wait to hear more about that. So those are our spoiler-free match recommendations. If you have not watched the shows and wish to remain completely uh, innocent and not know of the carnage that Dragon Gate has gone on through in the last week, yeah, you should probably pause, watch those shows, and come back to us. But case. There's been kind of one story that has been like underlying in Dragon Gate in 2023, not always on our radar, but always in the periphery. And it really is about who has been the hidden MVPs of Dragon Gate in this 2023 case. This was your topic, so I'm going to hand this off to you now. All you yeah, have I've... on the run sheet, sorry, All, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. All no, I have on the run sheet here for you was M3K, M3K equals MVPs, question mark? I feel very strongly about this. You know, we're, we're a little over halfway into the year. I think most reasonable people, most people that are in tune with this promotion to one degree or another would agree that it's been a good year, not a great year for the promotion. You know, it's not going to rival 2005, 2011, 2015. Take your pick. Certainly better, I think, than a 2016, or I'm sorry, not a 2016, a 2006, a 2017, a 2018. This is this is a middle-of-the-road sort of year for the promotion. There's a lot of good things going on here. The unit landscape is where even if you're locked in saying this is a good year, I like this, I like that, this has been going well, this could be better, but there's potential there. The unit landscape is the one thing that people seem to have a lot of disagreeing disagreeing opinions on because I think some people really enjoy it and some people are ready to blow it up now. And I'm sort of in the middle where I can go down the list of Natural Vibes and Zebrats and Gold Class and Decourage and M3K. We'll leave uh, uh, Kung Fu out of this for the time being. You can look at those five units. I think there's tremendous attributes within all of them. I think all of those units are net positives at the very worst, which is uh, you know such an improvement over a bloated blood generation or Antios or... Uh, a post-prime Jimmy's or an over-generation. This is a good group of units, and I think historically we'll look back at this as a good group of units. You can make the case D-Courage is too small, Natural Vibes has has, uh, run its course, Zebrats, what's left there, Gold Class, I I think we're all in agreement now that they're kind of in an interesting spot. And then there's M3K. And in a promotion with Madoka Kakuta and Yuki Yoshioka, and with Shun Skywalker and a guy like Kai or Natural Vibes with KZ and Shimizu and Jason Lee, I feel very strongly at this point in the year that M3K has been the best unit in all of Dragon Gate. And I am routinely seeing the comment, M3K has got to break up. 
M3K has got to break up. Let's do let's do Mochizuki Jr. versus Mochizuki Sr. Let's get on with it. And I am I, I have been for a year now since this unit formed. It seemed like this unit formed and people started talking about how they needed to break up. And I have always been on the side of let's slow things down. Let's see where this goes. There's plenty to go around with M3K. And that is without expecting what we have now in the in the current reality of Susumu Mochizuki and Yasushi Kanda having this great twin gate run and Yasushi Kanda having the literal best year of his career, which I don't think anybody saw going into this calendar year. This is a phenomenal unit. And I bring this up at the top of this show with all of these different things going on, four shows to talk about. It feels like as many matches as we've talked about in forever on this show. There's just a lot to get to. But this was the weekend that to me was defined by the greatness of M3K. You have the junior match in the middle of the card in Cork, and then I went four stars, and I want to talk in depth about that. You have the Mochizuki main event, which, you know, shocker. Masaki Mochizuki main event of Cork and Hall. This guy delivered. He's been doing it for 25 years. If it was up to him, he'd probably do it for another 25 more. I think he's capable of doing it. You go into uh, Osaka then, and they have this great match, the four of them together. And it just hit me for as good as D-Courage is, for as interesting as Vibes has been, for the high points of Z-Brats, and for the charisma that Gold Class possesses, M3K, up to this point, the unit of 2023. And I think a lot of this is that if you take a look at what M3K was looking like in December of 2022... And what we are getting in July of 2023, we are seeing two different things. Like we saw M3K at a point where it was not unforeseeable to be like, okay, we've introduced Junior. We've got it. Let's get to that storyline. Like I I, I do see a little bit of the M3K breakup uh, argument. But if you look at, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that Case, what was it like when it was Junior was around versus when Junior was not around? Well, that is the difference in a year, because if you look at where we're at at this time last year, when Junior got hurt, he debuts in June and then he immediately got banged up. So Drangate had that weekend. and We've talked about this a lot. They had Fukuoka and then they had Okinawa in the middle of June last year. And both sets of shows were terrible. And I specifically remember the, the Fukuoka weekend, Junior was booked, his matches were announced, and then he had to pull off the show. So he went from, oh my god, Masaki Mochizuki has a son, let's see him do the loop, to all of a sudden he's not there and we're just retreading at that point what is basically M2K, and it was horrific. It was awful. We needed Junior in the mix. This year, not only has the father upped his game and the very few focused big matches he's had, but now you have Susumu and Kanda pulling their weight. The difference here, which I think is interesting, is not Yasushi Kanda. The difference is Susumu Mochizuki. Because, Mike, after the Kai match last year, tell me what Susumu did. Well, I'm going to leave natural vibes, and uh, I'm just going to wonder the unaligned wasteland, I guess. Exactly. He left Natural Vibes, and he might as well left the face of the earth at well, a- as well. This was the only time in Susumu's career, the last half of 2022, where he seemed like a complete non-factor. I mean, it seemed like the gap between, if, you're, if you want to rank guys on the roster, you know, he was ranked ahead of somebody like Genki Horiguchi, but the gap wasn't that big. And this year, Susumu looks revitalized. Ray Day Parihas was a giant win for he and Kanda. 
And not only does he look, you know, back to his old self, but Kondo's there as well, kicking ass. This is a special unit, and I'm glad they've stayed the course here. I'm glad they haven't rushed anything. And I'm glad that Mochizuki Jr. is back because this person, he is a special kind of pro wrestler. I feel very comfortable saying that only one year into his career. And it's something with him that he returns and right back into the Don Fuji things in this uh, tag match at Cork and, and really held this match from being a complete write-off with two guys who are on the other ends of their careers getting five days out from being in the middle of a steel cage. Like, it is something that, at the very least, you look at what Junior brought back and the fight that we had with him and Don Fuji in this match case. And I think from there, it really provided a lot of life and something that, I mean, Ultimo didn't tag into this thing until after the five-minute call. Like, it, it was clear what this match could have been, but instead junior's return completely revitalized it i almost feel like this was a singles match between junior and fuji and they just happen to have two seconds out there you know in Kanda and susumu and then in dragon kid and ultimo dragon the, the focus of the entire match was these two which is why i felt comfortable going notebook on it which it might be a little bit of a hot take i don't know really what other people thought of it but to me this is a match that was completely defined and led and dominated by these two guys that have excellent chemistry. Again, before Junior got hurt, this was a guy that I was talking about as, you know, clearly a top 50 wrestler in the world. I felt like he and his father were the best tag team in the world. Oddly enough, now they not only rival, you know, Goto and Yoshihashi and Aussie Open, they also rival Susumu and Kanda at this point, which I, you know, who would have thought that? But Junior being back, you just see it with this guy. I, I don't know. Where, where are you, Adam? Because I feel like ever since he debuted, you know, he's obviously somebody you like. But it, we all champion our guys. And I think Junior is one of my guys. Did he jump off the screen to you in this six-man tag the way that he did for me? Because I was, I was utterly stunned at the interplay between he and Fuji and how charismatic Junior looked, how hard he hit Fuji, how hard he got hit by Fuji. I was enthralled by the entire thing. Well, if you would take Junior and Fuji and make it a King of Gate match, this would have been an easy notebook match for me. Okay. But, for the, yep. but for the fact that, you know, like as you said, it really was a singles match of two seconds. It just was something that it's just like, okay, this is a great singles match. This is not a trios match whatsoever. And I know I'm splitting hairs with that. Uh, for me and Junior, I was actually, Case, yesterday, kind of compile a little bit of an archive of my work in wrestling over the last few years. And I pulled up the Torimon reunion uh, debut last year of his. And it was something very apparent there that the specialness of who he was was going to give him, maybe he wouldn't have been born on third base, but at least he was legging out that double. But I, it, it's something that he's such a unique just quantity because of the fact that, yeah, we had the Ahashis and Strong Machine J, but their fathers were not fathers of this promotion. And I think that that's such a unique qual uh, just qualifier, essentially, because, like, your father is one of the original leaders of this promotion, four-time Open the Dreamgate champ, the perhaps either the number one or number two in-ring wrestler in Dragon System history, according to how you feel about Shingo Takagi on that day. He, there really is not like the ideal 
idea of a ceiling or a floor with someone like Mochizuki Jr. Just from the start, just before he even stepped in the ring, the fact that he was the the son of Masaki Mochizuki was going to completely like you cannot grade him on a scale just because of how different of a scenario it is. I don't think that I'm being too preposterous when I say this, like the fact that he exists changed things and that does not even get into his in-ring stuff. Yeah, he, he is an example of a Nepo baby who also just happens to have a ton of talent, you know, right? It's, yeah, we, yeah. He, he, he would be talented whether or not and I think he would be successful whether or not his last name was Mochizuki, but he's in the right time at the right place where you have this promotion who focuses on youth, who's in the midst of a youth brigade. They've happened to lose some youth. And now you look at, you know, last man standing, it's junior. You go, oh, my God, this guy, he's just he's just something else. I can't believe it. Yeah. And then. Really, like the, the the question I have about him is not a negative question. I'm interested in seeing what Ryota Michizuki looks like when he's 30. I'm interested in seeing because he's still just turned 20. So it, he's still grow. It, it's something like from going from adolescence into adulthood is something that's very kind of unique in Dragon Gate that we can talk about. <laughs> but like he is someone that like imagine what happens. Like it's not out of the conversation that he might put like another inch on and then fills out. And then who's to say that he can't exceed his dad at, at least in the company like like record books i mean he's the nepo baby but it's the the right person to be the nepo baby of if you're already extraordinarily talented yeah i mean look we're we're a few years away from getting junior and strong machine j and ishin leading a unit together and then we're probably a few years away after that from those guys all leading separate units and that becomes a three-way battle of, of generations of epic proportions this is you know I'm sure if it was up to Drangy, this would be the guy, and he certainly seems to have the talent a year in to make him the guy. I I just think, you know, you want to compare him to the guys that just left. SB Kento had this really unique, what I always said was ace-like charisma. Early on, as in, in his first five matches, I was like, oh, this guy's Naruki Doi. And then I saw more of him, and I thought, oh, no, he's Yamato. This is This is incredible. His charisma is really something else. And then you have Takuma Fujiwara, who didn't have all that charisma, but was this absurd wrestler. You know, seemingly any position that he was put in, no matter what spot in the car, no matter who he was in the ring with or who he was teaming with, he could have a great match. You kind of have that combination with Junior. And that's what scares me and intrigues me at the same time, is he has, to me, his father's charisma, which is a plus. I, I want to make that very clear. That is good to, uh, at times, feel like a carbon copy of Masaki Mochizuki. And then he also has this ability to take matches even a year in his career and not just be a part of great matches, but be the reason that matches are great. And I think you go one-on-one -on -one with him in SB Kento. I had to look this up right now just to see how bad they li they're lying. Uh, guess what SB Kento's listed height is? Oh, uh, just, the equivalent of 5'10"? No, they list him at 5'7", 170 centimeters. Uh, no. I think that's a, that's a generous two inches. Th that's a generous maybe four inches, man. <laughs> yeah. like, because the reason why I say this is like, what's one of the big issues? Uh, uh, Mochizuki Jr. is legit 173, so he's actually like 5'8", which matters. And yeah, which like for Dragon Gate is actually not too bad. Yeah, yeah, five eight, and he carries himself like this. The one of the things uh, I think we can say about SP Kento is 
even though he had Ace Charisma, you could that the, there's a reason that he was brought up so slowly and was getting all the other small titles because he was five three, and that matters a lot. And with Junior, and I, I I've said this for a very long time now, I'll continue to reiterate it. I think the booking of him has been fascinating. We, uh, there there's a a common theme within Drangate discourse, and it's not that I don't think it's true. I, I sometimes think it's a little bit overblown because I think Drangate has their top guys and they have their bottom feeders. And then just like any other promotion, you have guys that, that go up and then they go down on the card. Junior has not really been phased out of anything interesting as long as he's been healthy. You obviously have the build to him winning the Triangle Gate belts at World last year, which was you know very clear from the onset. Okay, this is what they're going to do. They delivered. I thought it was very entertaining. I really enjoyed that process. You go into... Mochizuki and Mochizuki Jr. versus Ishin and Ishin Ricky, which was a, a really delightful excursion around this time last year, this generational feud that was going on primarily in Tokyo. You have that happen into the Ishin heel turn. That sets up the last half of the year where you have Ishin and Mochizuki Jr. and Strong Machine J all kind of throwing their ring in the hat for, hey, who's the best second generation wrestler here? Into the start of the year, they lean really hard into the father-son tag team. I thought they were the highlight of Ray De Parejas. And then Junior got injured. And it's a shame that, you know, yes, he was on Kobe World, but he wasn't really on Kobe World this year. That's the one thing that historically we're going to look back at that show and it'll be a misrepresentation of 2023 because Junior didn't have a prominent role there. Because he was great in the build to the show before he got hurt. He's going to be great July through December. 2023 is going to be a year that really represents growth and greatness on behalf of Mochizuki Jr. It's a real shame he didn't get that spotlight at World because of his injury. Yeah, but it is nice to see that at least in Cork, and he's picking up it right where he was. And even though I I look at this and... Really, with the tournament the way it is, you you would have to like go like okay, then how are you going to get certain ways going? I would have loved to see those two actually be the King of Gate first round match. Like it, it is something that it is going to go somewhere, and I thought that could have been a little bit of added emphasis back on it. But Junior was not the only Mochizuki who had a super strong cork, and as none other than the Iron Man of Dragon Gate. Masaki Mochizuki had the main event in his hometown against the Open the Dream Gate champion, Madoka Kakuda, and he is the most creative man in wrestling history. He's the only person we've known to work a stomach in a world title match and make it the entire emphasis of it. The case, we should have saw coming that this match, somehow, we have a notebook match based solely around attacking Madoka Kakuda's butt. His giant ass... And that's what this match was. And it's, you know, it's hard to explain. Okay, Masaki Mochizuki works this match by literally kicking the ass of the Open the Dreamgate champion. It doesn't make Mochizuki look goofy. It doesn't weaken the champion. It's not played for comedy. It is actually terrific in-ring psychology. It's amazing that we've hit that point where that is possible, and it was absolutely possible. It's something with how this was worked in the way that just like from the start, I I think a lot of it is uh, so Mochizuki basically jumps the bell and starts going at uh, ass hunting, essentially. And I wonder how effective this match 
would have been if it was, you know, they tie up and they have a couple back and forth. And then suddenly, guess what? Uh, Mochizuki is determined that this is, he's going after the butt. Like, I think actually him jumping and just immediately trying to kick him as hard as possible and, and the hip was actually what made it work out so well. Oh, completely. You know, it was a calculated attack. It was no different than the KZ match five years ago, which, by the way, that KZ match is five years old. Can you believe that? It's just really wild thinking about that. And then also, like, the idea of KZ. We're now actually approaching a point where KG, KZ is slowly reaching the point that his career almost has as many relevant ears as irrelevant ears. That I, that, that popped in my head while re, well, while thinking about that match that's that's interesting that's a good point that most people listening to this probably started watching dragon gate when kz already mattered and even me i had about a a full year year and a half where kz was a total scrub before he really started to matter that's interesting i haven't really thought about it from that perspective it was something that kind of resonated in my head after our tears conversation in Shun Skywalker versus Ata, where I was like, oh, Ata has so many years you can just write off, where Shun, you really only have goofy mask gear. And then thinking about Ata and just, or thinking about KZ and this, so it was like 2015 to 2023, that's eight years. He debuted in 06. Nine versus eight case, but for the 25th anniversary year, we can now say KZ has been more relevant than he's been irrelevant across nearly a 20-year career. That'll be a beautiful thing, much like the closing stretch of this match, because as we talk about, they do, you know, a lot of ass work early on. Uh, you know, it's just, it's it's what the match was. It was in-ring psychology. And then they get into this finishing stretch that is just, it was so shockingly hard-hitting. And, you know, I came on this podcast last week. I told everybody to relax about Madoka Kakuta. We all wanted to say, oh, you know, the, the world title run's not going to work, doesn't have the charisma to be a champion, it's not going to be this, it's not going to be that. Everybody relax. It's going to be okay. He was, for 11 months, the most charismatic guy on the roster, the most over guy on the roster, constantly delivering big, small, big spots, small spots, everything in between. He got saddled with a very poor build to Kobe World, I get what they were doing. I understand what they were doing. And did it land? And now all of a sudden, he has a chance to show some fire again. And he does just that against Masaki Mochizuki. And that last minute of the match, where he goes for the rolling lariat, and Mochizuki hits him with a rolling lariat. Kakuta bounces up. He hits Mochizuki with a twister. Mochizuki goes for the corner kick in the corner. Eats one of the most vicious lariats I've ever seen. Rolling Lariat, no. Rolling Lariat, no. Short-range Lariat, yes. That puts him away. A phenomenal closing stretch to a phenomenal match. Mike, did this shake whatever cobwebs may have been there uh, in your mind with Madoka Kakuta as the champion? Did you did you ever lose faith? And if you did, are you back in? I guess I didn't lose faith because I felt like the company let him down with that dream gate build like if we if we talk about kakuta versus yoshioka at kobe world we have to lead off by saying what the build was which was nothing and did the match overcome that 
No, but it still was a four-star match. It just was not a match of the year contender. So I well, didn't and, see... and I think it's, I think it's relevant to say it wasn't a guy who was in a spot that was too big for him. The, the build of the match, the steps that were there, the story that they told, which again, I can see what they're going for. Ultimately, the story didn't work and the story didn't land. And I think it was a result of the overarching idea, not of the two men involved, was they vacuumed the heat from the story. They said, these guys are friends. These guys are wrestling for respect. Nothing nefarious is going on. And that's what happened. It would be like running a wedding on a wrestling TV show and the bride and the groom kiss and then they go backstage and nothing happens. We'd be like, well, what, what? wrestling logic tells us there's supposed to be something more there. And with Kakuta and Yoshioka, they were put in a position where there was nothing more there. All of a sudden, he had more with Mochizuki and we got the same guy that we saw from August of 11, or I'm sorry, not of August from 11, of August of 2022 through May of 2023. Yeah, so... I just it, it was something that I was willing to mark that more up as a personal issue that was happening with the booking. Nothing that was really his or Yoshioka's fault. So when he came in here and absolutely killed it dead with a Mas with a Masaki Mochizuki match in Cork and Hall for all that means, I was like, oh, all right, everything is as how it was basically on July first for me. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was really good stuff here. I went four and a quarter. You also went four and a quarter? Yes, I did. Yeah, I think that seems to be the common rating there. So they they crushed it. This is the main event of Corkin, which did, by the way, a number real quick talking about attendance. This show did 1,189 fans. That is uh, like 10 fans shy of what they did for Ray Day Parejas. The February kickoff show, it was roughly that same number a little bit lower than what they did for Mochizuki versus Yoshioka and Corkin last December. That was 1,200 fans. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I, I would call this a good house. Yeah, I, especially considering like the folks that would have traveled to Kobe and like might have been people that normally would go to Corkin. Maybe they went to go with that for the, the, for the title match with it. So it, 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 it's something that, at least for me, when I like looked at that and well, and how the Corkin was, I was perfectly fine with that. And it, especially when you consider the fact that when you look at how the card was constructed going on down down through the card, you really had the Rewa 6 all over it in places where, you know, you, you, you look at the main event. You got Kakuda. You continue on down. You have... Shun Skywalker, keep on going. Wow, there you have D Courage and Benke uh, in the highest non-tournament match. It, it, it's something that when you look at how this is going, you you don't want to copy and paste from 2013. But this is you, you know the, the tried and true. Like yes, there are new leaders, but this is the same kind of song just played by different instruments. But I it, it is something that I think the uh, Big Boss Shimizu versus Shun Skywalker match at Cork, and at least in my opinion, I think I like that one maybe a shade more. I know you were higher up on it. Yeah, yeah, I like it more than the main event. It, it is everything that I have told people for years and years now that Shimizu is capable of because we've seen it before. We saw at Camgate 2016, this guy went to the finals against Yamato, and he was brilliant the entire tournament. And a lot of his career, unfortunately, after that was the heel turn, and the heel turn got so goofy that they had to rehab him as a comedy character. And they, from the comedy character, went into the natural vibes. And 
you know, he's been great in vibes, especially as a tag team wrestler. He's one of the best tag team wrestlers the company's ever had. He just hasn't had the, uh, the platform really for big singles matches. The last one was the Kai match last year for the Dreamgate belt, which I thought was terrific. And this was just another example of Shimizu reaching his full potential and Shun Skywalker being Shun Skywalker. And I'm glad that there seems to be a, a growing trend throughout wrestling. something you and I have harped on for years now, especially over the last year and a half since he's been a heel. The Shun Skywalker is one of the most complete wrestlers on earth. In-ring, character, charisma, everything you could want from this guy he does. And this, to me, was yet another shining Skywalker performance. Yeah, and... It, it- I was real interested in seeing how Skywalker would evolve after the cage match because for all intents and purposes, he failed at his big objective, Strong Machine J. You know, he wasn't on the show, but he still has his mask around and he turned on Diamante. We'll get into Diamante in, in a moment. But it, it it's it was interesting to me to see like, okay, let's see what the next step is in and uh skywalker and he kicks off a match of going to ssw media he's like all right no he's just going to be even more of a psychopath and it it will be something as we look at the remainder of the tournament we've talked about this case shimizu really was the person that when you look at the bracket and how the brackets laid out for him to have this kind of run if you're not someone who's prepared for a potential big boss shimizu king of gate 2023 uh dangerous gate main event i think it's kind it's not carved in stone yet but with performances like this and matches like this one they are certainly putting him on the path they're tipping their hand i think it's not carved in stone but i've certainly got my utensils out ready to chisel some granite i mean this is you know this was my pick going into the tournament i think it makes the most sense he has a chance to run through pretty much the entire big six generation in this tournament and he has the talent to do so. You know, four and a half stars for me on this one. I, I can't get over, and this is a, a compliment towards both men. Skywalker goes for the big boot. This is right at the very end of the match. He goes for the bicycle kick in the corner, and Shimizu catches him. And he hits the shot put slam with Skywalker's boot still up by his shoulder like he's countered the bicycle kick. It, the way Shimizu does it is flawless. L- Go back and watch that and look at the bump that Shun Skywalker takes. This guy looks like he's falling out of a building. He launches himself into the air and he, without hesitation, without reservation, without pause, throws himself backwards. I wish that would have been the finish solely because that bump looked absolutely marvelous this was this was two professional wrestlers doing the damn thing four and a half stars for me mike yeah and just to underline this and we'll we'll talk about this again when you look at the schedule for shimizu it was so important that he got this like skywalker doing basically like a scoop shot put slam in a way or taking that because if you look at the calendar and how the network is set up there is basically potential for two people to have nearly every single of their matches on the network streaming live. Big Boss Shimizu is one of them. The other person was the person he beat in this match. Everyone else, they, they have a tournament match off network, not Big Boss Shimizu. That's very interesting. I hadn't noticed that. Good detective work from you, Mike. 
hey, you know, sometimes you, you got to put things together. I kind of sift through the tea leaves to, to figure this thing out here. Hey, the, the other person that's really plays into their hand, Yazushi Kanda. Yazushi Kanda can go on a hell of a run this year, Case. Okay? So he just has to see, he just has to get past Shimizu and whatever Strong Machine J shows up this weekend. I, Kanda's been very good this year. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. I don't know if he needs, <laughs> I don't know if he needs the King of Gate hot, uh, hot streak. I mean, let's just get, let's just overdo the Ricochet 2014, you know, the most decorated kayfabe beer in recent wrestling history. Let's just make it all about Yuzushi Kondo while we're at it. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to agree to that, but something that I think you, me, and everybody else can agree on, sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity, and I want to connect all of you with an opportunity to get started and to get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits, and there has never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, which is betstamp.app backslash VOW, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through our link, you automatically receive the top offer at each one. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, please consider signing up for your next sportsbook at betstamp.app backslash VOW. So we didn't get to talk about this when we were talking about the M3K versus Unaligned uh, trios match that Junior and Fuji really had a singles match in the middle of. But there was a remarkable thing that happened in that post-match that we're just going to jump ahead and talk about now. During the post-match, a masked Diamante came out. He entered. He unmasked again. This time, Ultimo, line for line, translated him. Zebrats came out. Uh, basically, the deal is the former uh, Diamante, Luis Meza, is going back to Mexico. He's going to really just reconnect with family. He's going to figure out what the next step is because as, like, and, and I'm glad that this really came on Carlos on the show he talked about the fact that when his dad lost the diamante mask when he was eight his dad handed him the mask so it, it's much more than just to diamante a mask losing this was the guy's identity but zebrats wasn't happy about it and then he immediately drop kicked shun skywalker cleared the ring and ultimo dragon led the Corkin crowd in a vociferous louise coon chant I, I was very impressed and very moved by this entire segment. I thought it was incredibly well done. Let me ask you your thoughts on Diamante has this big moment. He seemingly has this massive baby face turn. And now he goes away for a little bit. And there's certainly a possibility that they are masking an injury and him going away. But the way this was all set up, it feels like this is a part of the plan. Do you like that, or do you think this cools him down? I like this. I think that it is something that the company does pretty well, that they let people, after like this kind of turn, take a beat. And then you, when they come back, it, you get the anticipation and the surprise. I mean, think about Cork and Hall, January of last year, when Dragon Daya showed up on his skateboard with his new best friend Yuki Oshioka behind him. There's a reason to this, and if it is also secondarily to help out an injury, then I think it kind of comes across as appropriate better yet, actually. I, I think the thing that they did here, and it was something that wasn't very obvious at Kobe World case, but 
making sure that you have Ultimo linked with him and Ultimo is translating. Hey, Ultimo, he's going to be around. At least he's doing something useful here because I thought that you, you could hear the cork and crowd as soon as like the high points of what Ultimo was saying, the, the crowd reacting to him. The crowd is so ready to accept uh, Louise as this big baby face star, and they're going to be even more so whenever he comes back. It, it, it's just, it's a smart thing to do right now, especially since he was not going to be, now that at least in both of our minds, it's pretty clear that this is Shimizu's King of Gate. There's no reason to have big baby face turn for Diamante and then have him lose in the quarterfinals to Kota Minora, right? Like, it's better yeah. off. Clear him back. Let, let us, like clear our palettes and you bring them back in after the tournament had we done same day kobe world audio i had a giant monologue prepared on how diamante wasn't going to win king of gate and how we all need to readjust our expectations just because i don't think the move is diamante over kakuta in oda city it just i i you know i don't know it's a gut thing that tells me yeah it's probably not what they were going to do this whole thing becomes easier now that he's not in the tournament and uh, you know my god the, the shrieks of joy when Diamante came through the curtain, Mike, uh, this is this is a burgeoning babyface superstar. Now, when he comes back, here's what I'm curious about. And we can fantasy book just ever so slightly here. What's his next step? Is he coming back with a unit? Is he coming back by himself? He's obviously coming for Shun Skywalker. What do you think his next move is? You know, like the, the fact that it does seem like that Ultimo is going to be attached to him. I wonder the 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 problem is is that you can't have an unaligned maiden event babyface in Drag Gate. It just does not work. They've tried it many times, and whenever it works, it always falls flat. Right? Like we've seen it with Shingo, we've seen it with B with Ben K. You don't want to have a major babyface, a frontline player, be unaligned unless your name is Masaki Mochizuki. It just works out that way. It's just you got to get them in a unit, and that's going to be difficult with Ultimo. So. I was talking to somebody off the air, and I, I think we devised an idea for Diamante. Tell me if you think this is possible, first of all, and then let me know your thoughts on it from an aesthetic standpoint. But when Diamante comes back from Mexico, he's going to have all of Zebrats ready to fight him. That's Shun, that's Kai, that's Hyo, that's Ishan. I don't think he's coming alone. Do we see Takuma Nishikawa alongside Diamante. I think that'd be very smart. I think that that is a way to get around needing to have Ultimo. I I am under the impression that Nishikawa can at least, you know, carry that into the promo so that the fan base can pick up on it. I, I think we wind up with a unit that is Luis, that is Nishikawa, and this is something, this is information that you've been privy to. This is something that I know. I don't know if we've said it on this podcast, but I would be very, very surprised if Drangate goes along with this initial, uh, we'll call him Luis, babyface unit, and we don't see Hyo involved as well. For those that don't know, these guys are boys. Diamante and Hyo are attached at the hip. They've been together uh, essentially the entire time that Diamante has been in Japan. Hyo, from my understanding, is the one that helps him navigate the country. If you look at Hyo's Twitter account, he's talked about Diamante, you know, how could you abandon us? You were disloyal, this, that, and the other thing. That has all the makings of Hyo standing up to Shun, standing up to Kai, standing up to Ishin, 
turning uh, uh, in a much needed way, turning babyface and joining up with a guy who, by all accounts, he's very close with in real life. Yeah, and can't you just imagine babyface Yo with the buff Bagwell wear? Like the, the the there's crowd appeal, and but I think like that's the way you get Hio back to being a babyface is the fact that he's incredibly jacked and he's standing next to a Diamante. Like it, it, it makes good sense. Like you're still gonna want to fill out that unit, but I think you have something there with X Diamante Hio and also Nishikawa if possible. Like you, you you're gonna need some veterans in there. Maybe put DK. Yeah, you know, and then that's the thing. You know, then it's, okay, you want to put Dragon Kid in there. You want to put Kagatora in there. Maybe that's where Nagano lands. You know, I wouldn't put Kato in there just for the size discrepancy. That's the one reservation I have about having Nishikawa alongside Diamante. Diamante is very tall. He looks less tall standing next to Nishikawa, who's also very tall. But you have a lot of parts you can work with there. I, I think that has the makings of a successful unit, at least with, you know, the idea of Diamante and Hio and likely Nishikawa. And I also fully recognize that my answer to a lot of Dragon Gate 2023 unit issues is put Dragon Kid in it. I, I fully admit that. I It would have worked well, in he, he, he needs to be in a unit. You know, I have, yeah, I have, yeah. I have, I have no interest <laughs> I mean, that's what really. it is. Well, yeah, I mean, I have no interest really in seeing Yamato in a unit. I don't really care about that. But Dragon Kid is, it, it, they're wasting away by not having him aligned with something. It, it's its ridiculous. Yeah, so, but uh, it, it, it's something that I think that will probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows back up at Dangerous Gate. I think that that gives you a basically 60 days, you know, you get through the tournament, you get through whatever that challenge is going to be, and then you could relaunch him there and, I mean, Dragon Gate's October and September are always packed, and I don't know if you can build them up that quickly for, like, Gate of Destiny, but there's no reason to think that you can't take them to Sendai and do a defense there. Yeah, I, I certainly can't argue that. As we continue with Corican, uh, we kind of glossed over this. This was the, um, the, the highest non-tournament matchup of the show it was a as i had the wrong page there for a second yamato kakatora and d courage versus uh the complete gold class for the most part doi benke min uh kodaman or minorita hulk was elsewhere uh, during tournament stuff here it was the dd ddt on minorita great match uh, n not a lot i can say about it i went three and three quarters on it just kind of one of those dragon gate multi-man matches that yeah, just really well done. I, I enjoyed the D-Courage high-end combo. Thought Gold Class was great. I have more thoughts on Gold Class later. Very good match. Yeah, I, I like the fact that we we're going to eventually get Doi like, accepting uh, what Gold Class is now. But I like the fact that Doi is just not playing around with Ben. He just doesn't get it. And I like the fact it's like, dude, you were here when this was all happening last year. Benke is this kind of guy now. So... But but I, I think that that's going to get a big payoff with the crowd when that finally happens. Yeah, it's a charisma overload with those two guys. I look forward to seeing what comes of that. As we already talked about M3K versus the veterans, let's let, let's go back to King of Gate. First round action. This was Punch Tominaga versus BB Hulk. And he had Mr. First on his tights because he was always eliminated in the first round. That's not the case. The huge upset so far in the tournament. It is Punch Tominaga getting the punch clutch on BB Hulk in only two minutes and 24 seconds. I wouldn't call this a bracket buster per se, but we have our first round upset. Oh, I think this is a bracket buster. I don't know anybody that thought punch was beating BB Hulk, but I don't think anyone had Hulk over uh, Menorah or Doi. 
That's fair. That that is very fair. What, what, how do you feel about this? I'll let you go first. I mean, punch Tomonaga aside, like with the usual caveats, much rather have had a rookie in there, much rather have Knicho Rai in there. Like that's all put aside. They need to kind of have one of these matches in this tournament. There's a reason why there was both a upset and a draw in the first round. You, it's just booking one on one, and I'm okay. That's punch Tomonaga. He's going to get. He's going to get utterly destroyed by Kota Minora in in a week, and it's just be like, okay, then we're back to it. Hulk doesn't lose anything with this. It's it's BB freaking Hulk for God's sakes, guys. Like, it's, yeah, th- 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 this was painless. I I feel like some people were pretty upset about this, and look, I get it. I, I'm certainly not advocating for a munch for more punch Tamanaga in anybody's life, but this was harmless. You know, Punch got his ass kicked. He got his shit rocked in by some of those kicks. And then he won with a roll-up. He'll lose to Minora. We'll all move on with our life. It'll be okay. Yeah, like the only thing that could ever come out of this is that we're going to get a Punch Tomonaga versus BB Hulk feud, which, hey, if that's what we're doing in 2023, that's okay. I know it's not going to come before. I know it's not going to come after intermission anywhere. So why not? You have two guys that you're not actually doing anything with at the moment. Might as well give them something to do. Yeah, nine years ago, that was almost a Dreamgate program, so be thankful. Oh, Christ. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Uh, the other uh, first-round match in King of Gate 2023 from Corkin was Ata, the 2020 King of Gate, versus 2021 King of Gate KZ. KZ won with a trauma reversal in nine minutes, but that's not the story of the match. The story of the match is the most devastating thrust kick ever done in history. It's a, a super kick that would put the Young Bucks or Shawn Michaels to shame. Uh, you know, my understanding of this, and for those that haven't seen the spot, KZ does a plancha to the floor, nobody home, lands on his feet. AJ comes back and kicks him in the face with the most devastating looking super kick of all time. I have a lot of insights from native speakers, people that live in Japan for the Osaka show. I did not ask about this, but my understanding and I, I deeply apologize if I'm wrong, but from the translated tweets I saw, is that Drangate sort of had their own Tiger Driver Omega Osprey situation here, where people were a little concerned that this kick was too dangerous and that they don't need anybody dying on the floor of a Drangate ring because Ata, it looked like he literally kicked Casey's head off with this. And with this company, you're able to kind of play that with the other injuries that have happened in the ring being so recent. Like, you don't have to go too far to find uh, concussions like and Dreamgate matches. So I, I, I get that. It, it was something to me that I usually will err on the side of the wrestlers in this kind of situation. Like, uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, completely. No, they, they yeah. did nothing wrong. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, and I thought it was actually really kind of tied together, like the first match of the tournament, real well. Where like the biggest thing that was said on the on this Corkin show was, "Hey, the first round matches are 15 minutes long," and that was reiterated over and over. But you also had to get ready for the idea that these matches could end out of anywhere, and the the way they played up the super kick, where initially Ata was going to take the count out, he rolls him in, KZ, uh kicks out and then after a little bit basically until he shakes the cobwebs through he plays dead essentially dead behind the eyes and then casey and it flashes back together is able to land a couple of elbows and then we have Ata going for trauma his gory special variant and 
Casey out of nowhere, like basically like with like if we're doing health bars here with like the last pixel of health bar was able to make it into reversal. And I thought that that was brilliant. I was four stars on it. I thought this was a really, really fun and smart way to kick off this tournament. Yeah, three and three quarters from me. So I'm I'm almost right there with you. I, I have no desire to argue that rating because I think you're you're very much uh, on the money there. It, it was an awesome match that just once again. Ata not fulfilling the ace role last year. I, you know, Kakuta was very over on this show. Shun was very over on this show. I thought Shimizu got a great reaction. Mochizuki obviously got a great reaction. I don't think anybody got the reaction that Ata got. Uh, is that a fair assessment? I have stopped writing down Ata sickingly over just because yep. I expect it now. Yeah, it's I just. It's old hat. He he's the most over person on the roster, and, he, and he's there fulfilling contractual obligations. I, I've been working on something that might not ever see the light of day, but next year is Dragon Gate's twenty fifth anniversary, and there's a lot of fun stuff that I I want to do for it. And I've been kicking around the idea of you know some of the greatest what if moments in Dragon Gate history, and trying to butterfly effect those. Which you know, full transparency, it's a rip from Bill Simmons' book of basketball. I really like that chapter. I like that sort of stuff. I've been playing around with it. And the more what if moments I list, the more I notice that Ata's involved. And I'm almost like, do I do I have to do a separate list of just Ata things? Like what what's what its is own this? chapter? It's its, it's own unbelievable. I, I mean, I could just think off the top of my head, Case, and we've not talked about this idea whatsoever of three completely different sliding door moments of Ata. Three. Yeah. And, that, and those are those are drastic you know, major company swinging changes, let alone the seven or eight that he has that is like, oh, that, well, that show would be way different if this happened. Well, that, that unit would be completely different if this would have taken place. No, no, it, it, it probably trying to think of anyone else. I would say, uh, the, the, the only other person I would think like most what ifs, and that's if you really try to play them through when they left would have been Magnum. But the overall arching thing of Magnum would have been when would the ego give out for him? Whereas Ata, there's different unique scenarios like what happens if uh, him and she were in better terms? What happens if he actually decided he wanted to be a baby face? What if he w gets to run away to Mexico when he wants to run away to Mexico? Like it's just he, he he's called the number one troublemaker for a reason, folks. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I always look at Milano as the guy where I go, well, you know, what what if Milano, what if he just stays another year? What if he stays another three? What if he stays five? What what if Milano was now office for Dragon Gate and has been here the entire time? You know, what does all of that look like? Whereas I think Magnum, you know, by 2006, it's like, all right, he's Tenor's friend. We got it. You know, we, OK, we, we heard you. Um, But it's it's a thing with Ata where. He's Grand Slam champion. He's won everything there is to win. He's undoubtedly a star. And we're not going to do this conversation in full here. Yeah. But yet there's there's something I, about his career that's deeply unsatisfying. I've never I've never had a wrestler like this in my life where there's always something going on with him that I just think is absolutely fascinating, even even if it's maddening. Yeah, like the 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 one, and we'll move back to this that I want to ask you because I had a similar thought process. I've been like again, like compiling all my work together and pulling up like the various Kobe World columns I've done since I've been with Voices of Wrestling, and I looked at one of the ones that I wrote before Kobe World 2017 case when T Hawk won King of Gate that year, 
And I just had one big overriding thought when I was like going through my work from six years ago. 2017 was was Akira Tozawa's year if he stuck around. Oh yeah, yeah that that makes sense because that's you know that they would have been that would have been Tozawa and Yamato, and yeah. they had had big matches, but they hadn't had the big match. Tozawa has not. That would have made sense. Yeah, and Tozawa, I think the only one he got was in the No Ropes match. He's never beaten him in for a title, so it was going to be Tozawa's year in 2017. I'm dead convinced of that. You can't prove me wrong. Do you know off the top of your head what Ata did on that show? Kobe World 2017? Yeah. Well, that was in the peak of overgeneration, so something very disappointing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking it up now just because I'm curious because that's obviously that's the T-Hawk Yamato match, which was built off of King of Gate 2017. The finals is T-Hawk versus Ata. That's their one singles match post-tag team. And I have zero recollection of it. it you know, it, it obviously wasn't that good. Or that was the semifinal, I guess. T-Hawk versus Ata was the semifinal. And then T-Hawk versus Doi was the finals. My point stands, not a very good match if I can't remember it, which was just a giant issue there. And boy, oh boy, 2017 Kobe World. This is the Open the Triangle Gate Championship number one contendership match. Third match on the show. Ben oh, yeah. K, Big R, Shimizu, and Kotoka. Defeat Gamma, Takahiro, Yamamura, and Eita. That is what he did that year. Early Maximum was a fun group of guys. Maximum kicks ass. That, that, is, yeah. a, that is a unit that, I mean, look, that was my thought. Uh, more so 2018 was like, thank God Maximum exists. I mean, that would be, that was always the theme was, I watched a bunch of undercard nonsense. I watched some heel stuff that didn't land, but Maximum was in the main event, and I went four stars in the main event. Yeah, uh, I, I know that this is something that's been on my mind for a long time. I know it's not much of a thing for you. Uh, the themes in the intro, I like the first, I, I still like the Maximum First Finger theme. Like, that theme was kicked ass. Everything about Maximum kicked ass. Uh, let's talk about non-tournament stuff on, on Cork. And there, there was a little bit of interesting stuff here as we had the return of Kaito Nagano teaming with Daiki Yanagiuchi versus Ginki Horiguchi and Takashi Yoshida. Case, did you realize that Nagano's one-year anniversary is fastly approaching? Is it August? Yeah. Yeah, it's next month. Yeah, because it was Fukuoka against Kai. That was his debut match, right? Right, yeah. But it, it, it's something like seeing Nagano back and the way that, like, there was a presence, though, that I missed Nagano that I did not realize how badly I missed Nagano. I I was only three and a quarter on this tag case, but it was just uh, Nagano... It, it, seeing how he's like kind of like changed over the year and what has added, what hasn't worked out here. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how he goes in year two. I, 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 that, that was my one note here is that, Hey, Kaito Nakano is back and he's coming up on his anniversary. I completely agree with the sentiment. I did not realize how much I missed Nagano until he showed up on this show. And our opener for Corkin was Zebrats versus Natural Vibes, Kai Hyo and Ishin versus Jason Lee, UT and Jackie Funky Kamei. Hyo win with one with his zero kick, which as the number one Hyo fan, this is his fifth separate uh, finishing maneuver that he's had. None of them have stuck around very long, but it seems like this kick might do it. Ishin and uh, Jason Lee went face to face, so maybe we're going to see this brave feud continue. Yeah, good stuff there. A fun opener. Obviously, a uh, preview for UT and Hyo, which we'll, we'll get the King of Gate version of that over the weekend in Aichi in UT's hometown. Fun stuff here. I, I, a good opener. 
So I, I guess the big question here, Case, I'm looking at my notebook right now. I have four and then a two, four, and one quarter. Where do you have this as in 2023's cork in a year? This It always was something that the King of Gate kickoff corkins were one of the stronger of the year. And it seems like even though they've moved the tournament, this has just as much of a claim as past year's. Yeah, I, I would certainly say so. I think I still like the February Corkin, that Ray Day Perios kickoff show. I think I like that a little bit more than this. But this, to me, is a show that you should not only watch start to finish. I'll make this, this will be my final point on Corkin. Watch this show from start to finish and skip towards the end of intermission. If you're watching the English commentary feed, I want to be sure to mention this real quick. Jay has a sit-down interview with Toshio Noshida, who... For those that don't know, he's a guy based out of Austin, Texas. He was the one that housed Yamato when Yamato had his brief U.S. excursion. And he's now the guy that when Drangate wrestlers are in America and they're based out of Austin, he's still housing them. He is uh, an integral part of Dragon System history. I've never heard him speak before. And he happened to be at Corkin and Jay had him on mic for a few minutes there. And they had a very interesting conversation. I really enjoyed that part of the show. Yeah, uh, some good news for me in that interview, I guess, Case. I'm going to I'm gonna yes. be making some miles. Absolutely, as you should. Hey, it's only two and a half hours to Austin from Dallas-Fort Worth, you know? I can step by West Texas and go to the check stop, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. But that was the start of their Tokyo kind of pseudo-doubleheader on the 7th as they went into the 8th as the Luck Corporation presents to us Buyaden Zero Volume 2 from Shinkiba First Ream. I was not able to like review the the first route, the first uh Buyaden revival because of uh, that was the uh, I was in the middle of my move at that time, but just off the, the top, since I can get a chance to say this before, my god, I love Buyaden. We talked for years how awesome Buyaden is, and my god, Misaki Mochizuki still has that pencil. He he still got the touch, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, to just it, it is something here. We had the Twin Gate title match going on here. It was just a six match show. Very quick watch there. Uh, actually, two title matches. I should be. Uh, I I should correct myself as we do have our new generation open the Warai Gate champion, and it's someone who has been the Warai Gate champion a lot over the time. But case, uh, just just as someone who reviewed the first one and then this one, uh, takeaways. They've already announced the next one in October. So it looks like if maybe we can get Mr. Uh, uh, Nagamori to, to do Buyuden USA at WrestleMania. That's how we're going to get Dragon Gate guys over next year. That would be ideal. That That is everything I could ever want. It's not, not a Dragon Gate show, not a Dragon Gate USA show. A Buyuden USA show is right at my alley if it's anything like this one. Yeah, and really, I mean, let's just start with this opener. We have Fuminori Abe. Uh, team up in this match uh mochizuki and yamato i i'm i'm listing my name on abe's partner in this opener case i apologize it was, it was uh, sawa. oh yeah it was, it, it was ipijin minori sawa he he's not a bati bati he is a, a normal office worker how dare i forget that yeah it was Munari sawa teaming with his protege fuminori abe versus masaki mochizuki and yamato masaki mochizuki and his buko dojo pseudo gi yamato proud Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt. Yamato is so proud of this blue belt. I would I would I would go as far to say it's cute how proud he is. Yeah, I mean he was he was like tweeting about it when he won it, saying like, hey, if I started this a decade ago, I'd already be a black belt. I wish I did, but for now I'm a blue belt. So 
that we have our newest character evolution on these shows is BJJ Enthusiast Yamato. And let me tell you, tell you all something. BJJ Enthusiast Yamato cracks me up with Minori Sawa. This was so much fun. It, you know what? I, I don't know if this will make sense to you. I said this in the Discord. When I watched this match, it reminded me of Chikara, like really good Chikara. Does that make oh, sense? As someone who's been to a King of Trios, exactly. This was a night three of King of Trios tag match that was put together. You had Sawa, who was in a weird costume. You had guys kicking each other really hard. You had this weird mix of like comedy, but tremendous intensity. This was Chikara core. Yeah, and the fact that it finishes on a roll-up after a, a overwrought uh, fastball punch exchange. Yeah, right on the money. Yeah, and, and the fact that Sawa got like the absolute cheapest uh, uh, salaryman costume. So by, by the time like the so so they start with Sawa versus Yamato, they roll around for about two minutes. By the time that Sawa gets back to his feet, his shirt's completely shredded, his pants are tearing apart. I thought at a certain point he was going to wrestle down to like his old uh, gear. I thought that was going to be the bit, but no, the bit was that he just was salary man coming back to wrestling. Yeah, no, really, really good gimmick here. Really fun opener. Everything on this show, spoiler alert. I, you know, I didn't love the Awari Gate stuff, but maybe that's just me. Everything else on this show, at some point when I talk about it, I will say, it was really fun. It was a really fun match. It's just that's what this show was. Outside of the Awari Gate, I didn't have anything below three and a half stars. I had one three and a quarter, but even that I would describe as really fun. Yeah, it, it probably was the exact same match that I had there for, for that as well. But it, it, it's something that I think that with this, like, especially with what, what we're seeing from Yamato this year, especially, you kind of take a step back. And I think that you, you're kind of getting to see a guy getting to blow off steam in a really kind of fun way. And I, have thoroughly enjoyed like that with us here but case we've talked enough about yamato's new hobby what we need to talk about is someone who is not living his best life because we saw his best life in this six-man tag and his best life is being the 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 wrestling machine at five foot one as hikaru sato ryo kawamura and takafumi ito defeated binka uh Gold class, Ben King and Minorita, and Punch Tomonaga by referee's decision. But the story here is Minorita, the goddamn wrestling machine. I can't express enough to anybody that hasn't seen this match how over Minorita was working essentially as a shooter and how Dragon Gate might have just stumbled into something truly great. Because when Gold Class started and Minorita went from Takumi Hayakawa to the man we now know him as, I loved the idea, but the question I brought up to you was, okay, this is such a career-defining gimmick. What does this look like after it's done? And that question in March of 2022 was somehow less complicated than it was now with all of the turmoil and hell that Gold Class has gone through. Now that really has some weight to it. But we got a glimpse into what Takumi Hayakawa 2.0 could look like in this match. And that is a guy who will one day get the biggest pop, one of the biggest pops in Dragon Gate history, by tapping out, whether it be Shun Skywalker, whether it be Ben K, whether it be Coach Minora, whether it be Strong Machine J, one of the biggest stars in the company, Takumi Hayakawa will eventually tap out 
and the place will come unglued like Vader versus Muto in 91. People will throw their chairs into the ring at Cork and Hall if it happens there. This is something special. Case, I think he might be wasting his potential in Dragon Gate, honestly. <laughs> well, okay, so what, what's the alternative for him? Uh, Find a good gym and maybe enter MMA. <laughs> like he's well, that good. Yeah, maybe he. Well, yeah, but he is. He is five one. I yeah, just feel I like, mean, he, like people could beat him by submission by putting by putting him in his pocket. There's got to be a hundred and fifteen pound weight class somewhere that he could dominate. I is mean, is he doing intergender MMA? No, like, like that's actually that's they're... actually progress. By the way, if you don't like that, you're the problem. But go ahead. <laughs> but like he just, it, it was something that was very clear. It's like oh, like I never doubted on commentary when Jay would say like oh yeah no the thing about. Amenorita is he knows he's undersized so he spent all this time before wrestling mastering martial arts yeah no I, I believe you I've seen it in person he is it's not just martial arts he's able to scrap and shoot against like Hikaru Sato like that was the thing that it was not just the fact that he was like showing that he could roll around and he was able to this they made a big point of whenever he got someone onto the ground he got on top, spun around them, and just completely was like, well, I've got you. And Shinkiba was just, or Shinjuku face, was just exploding each time. And you have, like, the nice side effect of, well, this was all happening. Like, Benkei came out trying to do sumo stuff because he's a psychopath. And Punchomanaga is only there to get knocked out, which he does. And you're like, what are we watching here, Kays? Uh, it took me about halfway through the match to realize Ben K didn't have shoes on. And my right. reaction, my reaction was, no, oh, Ben K doesn't have shoes on. Huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. On to the next. Um, that's really weird. But Minorita here, you, you say all these things and they're absolutely accurate. He's able to, you know, unlock this part of himself. And he's able to do it with the same charisma that he has while being Minorita, which is an extraordinarily charismatic type of person. This was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, there's a moment here. I got I got shoot hot. I got really invested in this match in a way that I don't normally because Sato came in and kicked Minorita in the face in a way that I thought was like really dickish. In a way Minorita that actually popped him back. Exactly. In a way that like really upset me. And I thought, well, you know, okay, match is gonna ground to a halt. Hikaru Sato ruins another match. What a surprise. Guy's never been able to work. Now, of course, he's going to come here, ruin this match. And Minorita pops up. He keeps going. He pops him back. And now we're off to the races again. It, it, this was such great stuff. Did you notice that Hikaru Sato was bleeding from the mouth by the end of the match? I think Minorita busted him open. I, I would certainly hope so, because Sato was the least engaging part of this. And, of course, that meant that at one point, you know, he was going to hit... He was going to hit Minorita with a, you know, a raw kick to the face because that's what he does. That's the only skill he possesses. Yeah, but absolutely worth going out of your way for like the rest of the show. Open the Warrior Gate. We won't spend much on this. Kikataro won by fan decision here. They basically did the classic Sakura Chikawa Kikataro match, but played up the fact that now they're really old. That's, yeah, did, that's not, what happened. did not love this. But Case, you know, you know who we do love? Who's that? We love Musashi as he teamed with Taru Nohashi against the Open the Dreamgate champion, uh, uh, Madoka Kakuda and Yuki Yoshioka. It was Musashi going, or it was Nohashi going down to the Lariat of God, where Musashi was on the outside as the Penkao was happening. And we don't have to question if there are guys in the Reiwa Big Six who have the dog in them, unlike other companies and their three musketeers and their dorks that they're elevating. 
because Madoka Kakuda started talking trash during the pinfall to Masashi, and it ruled. I think the biggest takeaway from this show is not, you know, what we unlock with Minorita. It's not the very good borderline great main event. It's people going, myself included, wait, who's Musashi? How do I not know this guy? Mike, I watch a lot of wrestling, and I'm very in tune with people's names and faces that aren't in WWE or NXT. I did not know who this guy was. He could wrestle in Dragon Gate tomorrow, and he would succeed in that environment. I am I am ready for a raid of homegrown Michinoku Pro talent, and it starts with this guy. Yeah, so Misashi came into this match with a chip on his shoulder, and if there are two guys in the Reiwa 6 you want to wrestle with the chip on his shoulder, it's Yoshioka and Kakuda, because they like that kind of stuff. And you, you have the backbone of Taro Nohashi, always the light when he shows up in a Dragon Gate ring. That's kind of... I, I've stopped writing that down as a note, just like how I write stop writing down Eita sickingly over. It's great to see Nasashi, but really the story was how Masashi and Kakuda just started to tee off on each other. Just a prolonged chop that turned into a punch battle. And my God, how has like, I, I'm right now on cage match looking at Musashi's overall career and he has made stops in places, but he has not worked anywhere bigger than Noah in 2014 and Dragon Gate. Like, this is a guy who's been completely... Oh, he's he's done some All Japan. He's done some All Japan. Yeah, is no, it looks like he's just... He, he, well, no, 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 no. Yeah, he's done All Japan. He did All Japan last year against Shima, of all people. Oh, I'm going to have to track that down. That's a cool... I want to watch that. Shima, super crazy, and Tajiri versus uh, Aizagi, I- I- Musashi, and Sugi. I, I would have seen this. Yeah, that, that's got some something with that. But I, M- Musashi, like, I was notebook on this match, four stars. This is just hot fighting at its best. Yeah, no, he was he was great. He's worked some Torimon Mexico shows, which is which is good. Again, you know, if he if he started to pop up elsewhere and he's he's obviously from Awate, so that puts him what, you know, gate of gate of origin would kind of yeah. yeah, that would be kind of a hometown show for him. Let's get him back there. This this is a talented guy who if it was ever possible uh, for a Michinoku Pro trainee to leave for Dragon Gate, this would be the guy to do it. And I think this guy could have a nice little future based off the one match I've seen of him versus D-Courage. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's something that I... You, you look at Sendai, and they used to do so much stuff with Sendai girls because then you'd always be able to bring Mako over, and that was always like a local draw there. I know Michinoku Pro is kind of its... If we talk about Dragon Gate being in its own world, Michinoku Pro is its own galaxy yeah separate universe yeah why not you already bring taro nahashi around bring back musashi with them and then you know just uh leave the brahmins at home (laughs) very good point uh semi-main event uh this was a interesting one uh big boss shimizu mochizuki jr and daiki yanagiuchi i guess he was traded from korkin to shinkiba for this night going against the noah grouping of uh Amasa Kitamiya, Kai Fujimura, and Taishi Ozawa. It was the big boss press on Ozawa. I think that this was probably the, the low point match-wise on the show. Still three and a half stars, though. I, I enjoyed it. I, at, at the risk of sounding in, ignorant, I believe 
the Noah fans are, at least the ones in our little bubble, are really into Kai Fujimura. I feel like that's a name that I've seen enough now that there there has to be something. some degree of hype to it. And I, I agree. He and Mochizuki Jr., you know, spoiler alert, I really enjoy Mochizuki Jr. here. Thought they stole the show. Thought they were great with one another. And that was the big highlight of this match. You know, this is a better use of Masa Kitamiya than anything he's doing in Noah. So I hope he comes back and does another Buyuden show. But this was all about Fujimura and Jr. And I thought they were very good with one another. You, you see, like the interesting thing about this match, you, you know what was like my biggest takeaway out of all of this? It wasn't about Mochizuki Jr. or Shimizu. It's about Daiki? Case, Case, I didn't realize how small Daiki was until he was in the ring with some of these Noah guys. I, this won't make sense, but I think you'll know what I mean. He's like a long but short. Right, yeah. That that that's a I I, I, I get think that I he, he's all tor- he's no torso he has no torso yeah, he's got crazy long legs and then nothing in the upper half. But it, it's something where like Minorita like I think the the fact that his size is ever present like you can't watch a Minorita match without engaging in the conceit that Takumi Hayakawa is a very short person. Daiki kind of got away with it and it kind of became a little bit exposed here. And interestingly enough, in the same match. You had Big Boss Shimizu, someone who I think might be a half foot shorter than Masa Kinemiya, did not feel the size difference whatsoever. Like, Shimizu's able to project up in a way that Yanagiuchi, I don't know if it's his body type, because yeah, no, I mean, they give him the the rider gear, and I didn't think about the fact that he has long legs as the reason, but he's a, he, he's a small one. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a, I mean, this is a compliment, but he's kind of a weird looking guy. Kind of a weird guy. That's why the... The cork and hall attendant job works for him. You know, it, it's charming. It's charming. <laughs> he, uh, man the main of the event, people, blue collar. Uh, exactly. The main of the people, Daiki Yanaguchi. Uh, main event, open at Twin Gate Championships, M3K, Susumu Mochizuki, Azushi Kanda, defend against Masato Tanaka and Takuya Sugawara of Zero One. Uh, M3K make a successful defense on Candy Magic on Sugawara, coming right out of Sugawara's finish here. Probably... Uh, with the exception of Ultimo's return, I have to say that, at least for me, one of the more pleasant experiences I've had at Takuya Fugawara in the last, like, decade. Yeah, Sugawara was good here. This was a match, it went, what, 14 minutes? Yes. Yeah. And I would say for the first seven, getting a little impatient. It's kind of going, okay, all right, you know. Kanda's had a few good ones. Let's see if he can keep it up. Sugawara, always a wild card. Susumu and Tanaka, as great as they are, two of the 50 best wrestlers ever. You know, they're they're old men at this point. Let's see what's going to happen here. I tap my fingers, getting a little impatient. Let's see, let's see, let's see. And boy, did they turn it up in the back half of the match. This turned into everything that I wanted it to be. Didn't you like that Sugawara broke out some Yave? That cracked me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, no, you did train in Mexico. You were a royal brother. Okay. Yeah, but, you, you yeah. at one point were in a company that specializes aesthetic and physique more than anything. And now you, you are a fat tub of lard. But at one point, you were not. I like the fact that he still has those purple pants. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, it's something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's look. Uh, this is just a complete aside. I don't know when he did it, but it must have been between the last times I see it. Congrats to Masato Tanaka, embracing the change of time. He looked a lot better with the buzzed head. Yes. It just got kind of sad after a while. Yep. But it, it, I, I wouldn't put this Twingate match up with any of the other matches that Susumu and Kanda have had this year. I, I would actually say this is probably one of the on the weaker in there, but still was something where 
Yazushi's Kanda, the, the thing that I think really breaks down for his 25th year being the best of his career, his selling in this match, selling Sugawara, taking all of the shots from Masato Tanaka. He, I, I, I'm not ready to put him in global conversation for most improved, but case that we're starting to come to a point where there can be a legitimate argument that Yazushi Kanda in his 25th year of wrestling has improved the most out of anyone in the world. It's not an argument that I am going to make, but it is certainly an argument that I can't fight against. And I you will leave it at that. The room. I, I can't, I, I can't say no, Mike, come on. No, I, you, it's, it's not what I'm going to join in on. It's not what I'm going to make. But you're not entirely wrong. Hey, maybe Kanda hasn't wrestled yet in King of Gate. Who's to say? Who's to we'll, say? We'll, we'll see. We'll see this weekend. We that we will. That was Buyaden. They're coming back in October. I don't have the date for the October announcement. Case do you? Uh, not more than October. But let me figure that out real quick. Buyaden three, the Mochizuki Produce Show. That is going to be on October 5th from Shinjuku Face. October 5th is a Thursday. Hey, Thursday Thursday's great for... I, I was trying to do Friday night's great for fighting or like that, but yeah. Well, it's Saturday, I, Saturday night's great for fighting. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, that was... Uh, I, I don't know how to segue to this case. You had me watching a, a Michinoku Pro match this week. And I found time. I finished this up right before we started recording. This was from actually last or two weeks ago in Cork and Hall. Uh, it was uh, Jun- uh, Hayato uh, Jr. Fujita and Masaki Mochizuki teaming up against Fuminori Abe and Akudo Hadaka. Here's what I'll say about this. First of all, Mike, I sent you the link. Please do me a favor. Put the link in the description to this show. Are we on board with that so more, more people can watch it? Absolutely. This was the Michinoku Pro 30th Anniversary Cork and Show. Fujita Hayato, Masaki Mochizuki versus Fuminari Abe, and Akuda Hadaka. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. We still have one more show to talk about, and plus some Hamamatsu stuff that we'll speed through real quick. I just want to say, this is the best non-Dragon Gate, non-New Japan Japanese match that I've seen this year, I think. At the very least... It's the best Japanese indies match that will occur throughout the entire year. But as I look back at my spreadsheet here, I, I uh, Lindemann versus Kaito Ishida was pretty damn good. But this is on the level of that. This is a four and a half star match for me. It really, this was this was something special. You know, it was it's an honor, and I, I realize that might sound corny, but I think it's an honor anytime we get to see Hayato in a big stakes match like this. Mochizuki is Mochizuki. We spent enough time on him. Abe could work the Dragon Gate style tomorrow and succeed, and Hakuta Daka is Hakuta Hadaka, and, and they went out there, turned back the clock in the case of Hadaka, and had just what I thought was a brilliant four-and-a-half-star, incredibly stiff match. Like, the wild thing about this match was it kind of existed out of time in a way, you know? Like, it, it, like Hadaka, it, it's always something that, for me, like... Hadaka was someone like 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 him and Fujita that that tag team like very much like when I was getting into Japanese wrestling that tag team was like on the precipice like that was like one of the big tag teams so like I've always had a soft spot for him and seeing him not necessarily have that 2001 or 2002 ability but be enough there they're like hey he still got it whatever you want to say it and then you have like Masaki Mochizuki who basically from 2004 on has not aged. Uh, we have Hayato, as you're saying, like 
I, I, I said in jest the uh, Yazushi Kanda point, like probably Hayato, just for the fact that like he is back. Like that's deserves its own award. And then Abe is one of the more intriguing people in wrestling. I just find him fascinating. This is a match that you have like, and also the like, the fact case that it was not like a clean 1080p version. It felt like you were watching like these guys like subjected back into a ring in 1999, and that was really kind of of a cool effect that I didn't think would happen. But yeah, no, this it, was it, it. It felt like a match that should be watched on Daily Motion. Exactly, exactly. And you you would think you would see like a big mouth loud poster in the background. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a very good way of describing it. But yeah, worth going our way for. We'll make sure to have a link in the show notes Let, let's talk about hamatsu shizuoka real quick it's on youtube they just had the the king of gate uploads that's what you should expect for this month on youtube that way uh three matches the first one dragon kid versus kakatora dragon kid wins with a new move the golgotha this is a uh Christo into basically a driver it did not look so good here we'll talk about it a bit more in osaka but it was Dragon Kid advancing on, and I was a three and three quarters. I thought this was pretty solid, but it's not going to be one that I'm going to remember at the end of the tournament. Yeah, this, uh, interesting. This actually did not do anything for me. I like the finish. I like the new move, but I, as a match, I, I, this was slow and disjointed to me. I did not, did not like this. There was a lot of DK knee work. Yeah, I, I could have done without this, but good finish. Yeah, second uh, match in Hamamatsu, uh, Ginky Horiguchi versus Shuji Kondo. King Kong Lariat here. This was a quick one. The way I would say this one for me, that they, they did exactly what you expect Shuji Kondo and Genki Horiguchi to do in 2023 in a tournament. They had me going. I thought Genki might get him with the backslide. I was very into this. I The crowd was not into Genki. I was disappointed for the backslide because I was going to be his big pop of the match and it really wasn't there. Kids these days, they don't know. They don't know. However... What I thought was a really strong match. I was four stars on it from Hamatsu. Uh, Dragon Daya versus Jason Lee. Dragon Daya won with his Casadora driver here to win in the battle of the former uh, uh, four members masquerade we got going on with this case. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think you're just a tad higher on it than I was. I did not go notebook here, but it's Dragon Daya and Jason Lee. Imagine that match. It probably looks like what they did in Hamamatsu, and it was very good. Yeah, I like this one more than their Dead or Alive match case. Did you ever get that they had a match at Dead or Alive? Because I did I, until I, I was going through this match. I, I did not, but that was just because it was one of those matches where I was like, God, that was really good, and that deserved 10 more minutes. It could have been way better. Yeah, this was kind of the version that got a little bit more time. I think I like this one a little bit. Uh, and I'm looking, I was four and a quarter on Dead or Alive. I did not like it as much as Dead or Alive, but I thought I did when I watched it. Uh, it, it was just like a really tight, compressed sprint. These guys, it, if the other two matches were kind of slow and wrote, this one was basically seeing two of the premier light heavyweights in the world go at it for 14 minutes. Yep, very enjoyable. And then from there, the last stop this week and King of Gate, we'll, we'll talk about the brackets and how things are afterwards. We're done with this was in Osaka. They returned to Osaka Edeon number two for 811 people case. Pretty big show for them. And when you look at how Edeon 2 is going, they've continued to kind of, they've not always been the, the biggest show in the market, but more often than not, they've been the one, the ones pushing it. Wait, what was, what was the attendance you had here? Oh, I'm sorry. 7-Eleven. I, I, had, I had visual dyslexia for a second. That's okay. It was, it was 7-Eleven here, which is slightly down from 
the most recent Osaka, Osaka show they did at the end of May. That was 831. That was a sellout. So slightly down here, but 711 uh, at, at this stage of the Japanese wrestling economy, I would call that good, not great. Yeah. And if you look at how the show is set up here and uh, one of the one of those like kind of sneak, sneaky stories about Dragon Gate is they used to be a very Osaka dominated roster with people like Shima and others. Now there's not as many Osaka guys anymore. So I, I wonder how much that has to do with it, at least locally. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a fair question. I would like to ask somebody that at some point. Uh, do you want to go uh, top down or from bottom up? Go go opening match to main event because I don't have a ton of thoughts on this show outside of the main event. I, big picture, I didn't think this was that good of a show. Corkin smoked it. Buyuden was a ton of fun. The Hamamatsu matches were okay. Osaka, I didn't think was very good until the main event. Yeah, I I I was mostly with you on that. The uh, the, the main event was the best match on the show for me. I like the opener though. This was Natural Vibes versus M3K KZ Shimizu. Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kame versus the full M3K compliment here in the opener. It was a Jackie knife on Junior to win it after a really re, Junior was just really going for it this time. <laughs> like he he really brought it and got real mean after a low key start. Yeah, Jackie and Junior have really really good chemistry. Yeah, that's a Brave Gate match in the future. Just very much so. Just file that back. Uh, the first King of Gate match. This was the one that I think everyone kind of circled along with Hulk and uh, BB Hulk as probably the one that was going to be on the lower end. Uh, Problem Dragon versus Takashi Yoshida. Takashi Yoshida won with a pineapple bomber. It was not embarrassing. That's a very good review of it. Match three. We had BB Hulk and Minorita of Gold Class teaming with Ryota Tanaka. Versus uh, Ultimo Dragon, Dragon Kid, and Ginky Horiguchi. It was the Golgotha on Tanaka. Really solid. A lot better look at DK's new finish. It looks like it's going to murder people. Yeah, I, I, I'm I a little amazed that Dragon Kid is in his mid-40s and has decided that now is the time that he's going to do this flipping submission pile driver sort of thing. I mean, this is a deadly looking move. Yeah, it, it, something about Dragon Kid that always gets me. I... I don't want him to ever lose the mask, but I get the sense that he's an incredibly youthful 45-year-old man. Like, have, did you see him in the opening of King of Gate come out with, like, his new, like, I guess casual mask? And he has, like, a, the same hairstyle that you would see on Yuki Yoshioka. Yeah, Mike, he's a fucking freak. Look at this guy. <laughs> Look at what he does. He hangs from the, the post on the ring. He's not normal. I, we did this a month ago where I was like, hey— you know who we don't talk about enough, which is the lowest form of sports radio, but I had to do it with Dragon Kid. <laughs> you know who we don't talk about enough? Dragon Kid. The guy is a is an all-time great. If he had his career in New Japan, oh my god. If we had two years of Dragon Kid's peak in WCW, he'd be a millionaire off of WrestleCon meet and greets alone. This is a special wrestler, and he's almost penalized for being great in Dragon Gate for as long as he has, because now he's just another great Dragon Gate wrestler, and that either means everything to people like you and I, or it means nothing to people who are, are too stubborn to learn. Now, Case, I now have a new topic for your Sliding Doors article. Okay. Who becomes the Joshi, innovate, or the Joshi inspiration for this? Uh, 
I wouldn't call it a boom, but like this revival. It's, if it not, wasn't a for Kid. it's not a boom. Hey, I've had to deal with so much fucking WWE stuff this past week. I'm sick to my stomach thinking about these SmackDown ratings being as high as they are for this bullshit. God awful wrestling. That makes me even more embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. And I have to deal with these losers at fightful and other places doing more PR than ever before for them. We're not going to come on this podcast and talk about a Joshi boom, because I will jump out the window. If I have to deal with Roman Reigns praise in Joshi boom talk, let's sell out Cork and Hall uh, with one company before we start talking about a Joshi boom. That's not directed at you, Mike. That's directed at everybody else. And, l- and if you vote uh, Roman Reigns in the Hall of Fame and the Observer Hall of Fame, lose my number. God damn it, I'm frustrated today. All day, I've been so annoyed, and I'm sorry I, I had to get that in there. No, it's all right, buddy. I'm glad you have the outlet for it. He's it, a it career failure. He's a failure. He's a failure. There's nothing he's done by himself that has System moved business. Quarterback. Sami Zayn got hot. Cody Rhodes existed. And Roman Reigns was there. Fuck that. He's not an Observer Hall of Famer. And also, if your standard for Observer Hall of Fame is he was hot on on TV for six months, do better. Do better. And I know there's going to be people that are the harshest critics, the hardest markers, the, oh, I'm not going to vote for so-and-so, that will vote for Roman Reigns. It's going to drive me up a wall. I'm thinking of one person specifically. And I don't even know if this person still votes in the Hall of Fame, but if they do, I guarantee they'll vote for Roman, and I guarantee they will have some atrocities left off their ballot, and it's going to drive me insane come October. Speak from your chest, man. I'm glad. I, I'm glad you did that. Uh, the one, the one little thing I'll say is, uh, we'll, we'll start. We'll start talking about a boom when you don't have to like paper for YouTubers. Okay. I, I, yes. I well said. Um, to answer your question, I don't know uh, who would influence Joshi wrestlers. I I don't ever want to think about that. I just know that Dragon Kid is very good. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get back to King of Gate before Case decides to. Uh, I, I, th- I, I, thank I don't... God. Thank God. I haven't seen an NXT clip tonight. I'm sure Zoe Travis or whoever is doing a cartwheel and getting praised for it by Denise Salcedo like she just invented modern wrestling. God damn it. King of Gate first round match. What, what, did, what did D-Courage do? Or, 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 or not to D-Courage yet. Okay, what, what was this match? Yamato and Don Fuji? Yeah, they went to a time limit draw. Uh, I know they wanted to do a time limit draw. I would not have done it with these two guys. Uh, I, 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 I'm not saying I would have done it with these two guys, but I also understand why they did it with these two oh, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, these let, are... me, let me look at the bracket here real quick and just see where Yamato would have ended up. So the winner of this match would have gone on to Daya, and then the winner of that goes on to some combination of KZ, UT, and Hyo. Hmm. I would have liked to have seen Hyo beat Yamato, but I understand that feels more 2021 than 2023. Yeah, and and if you do that, if you have Hyo beat Yamato then you have Hio in the semifinals of King of Gate. And I don't think that's that's a bridge Willingworth cross for some great brain stuff. I I think it's something that with how the brackets laid out, they have now made it so that Daya gets to have a strong run after being downcycled pretty significantly this year. He can I, at yeah, least, that's probably a fair assessment. 
So I, I think that that's fair in this. I, I guess, like, I think about last year about how they had the Ishin versus uh, Takuma uh, Fujiwara time limit draw. And I was like, I thought that match did a lot for those two guys getting that kind of time in for that. And I would have liked to see that with a rookie, but then you'd have to redo the brackets because then you'd have to take out two people to get two rookies in and redo that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the good thing there is that we obviously saw a payoff for both guys. It was, you know, good investment by Dragon Gate to yep. do all that. Yeah, but talking about D-Courage, we got all three of them versus Shun, Hyo, and Ishin. Uh, it's a good thing that Daya might be going on that run and that they were already kind of teasing Hyo thing because he really got beat up a lot in this. Yeah, I, I, this was an interesting match just in the sense that it felt like, okay, they're doing they're doing a lot of heat. You know, this is a match that is moving very slow. Felt like Zebrats was in control for a very long time. And then towards the end, things got things got what I would call pretty violent. Yeah, and it, it it's something also that it picked up. The crowd was getting really into it, to it towards the end. Uh and, and I, I think that it's really something that like with the way that Daya works, and I think really kind of alluding to i think Kyo's going to get to that match with uh dia and i think that it set it up it's it, it's interesting for me because i feel like yet again not to repeat a march 2023 take that this is a match that we've seen a lot and they did something a little different with that here which i liked i, I would i would concur and then we got into the back of king of gate benke versus kai Benke won with two spears over Kai. To advance, he will face Asumu Mochizuki on in Ishikawa on the 16th. This was good. I liked this. I feel like that's about as emotional or as strong as I can be on this. It could have been better. There's a version yeah. of this that could have been worse. But this was good. Yeah, that's about where I would put it. I was three and a quarter on it. Uh... Decent brawl. They went kind of deliberate with it, which, hey, I get with how they're doing 15 minutes. They they kind of want to push a lot of these matches past that 10-minute call, but it just kind of was starting to get to me there. Like, the biggest thing there is, what the hell has been K's new theme music? I It hasn't struck me as anything other than just being extremely Ben K. Yeah, so he basically, they've added a couple DJ scratches and a beat to his old Ben K fame. I thought it was going to be a full rewrite or something. He does have like <laughs> a little intro to it, but it's still very weird. It, it, it actually, you know what? It fits for Ben K because Ben K is profoundly strange. I I, I would certainly not uh, uh, agree with that statement. He is profoundly strange. Yep, and then we got to the main event, the best week that are the best match of the weekend. And I'd say right now, at least for me, is my leader in the match of the tournament. Kota Minora versus Naruki Doi. Kota Minora gets the win against uh, his former gold class leader with the Golden Rose Fire Thunder Driver. Ooh, we had a mat. We started off the week with a match about kicking one man's ass. Case, we finished this week with the son trying to kick his dad's ass. Yeah, I loved this, but you seem to like it even more than I did. So I, I will give you the floor real quick just to talk about what jumped out to you here. So this is a match I adore. I think that you have Kota Minora finally striking out against the guy that if we want to ever do one-to-ones on Rewa versus Big Six, this he is kind of the Naruki Doi in that position here. So you get a little bit of that going on here. But Case, 
this was a tremendous 13 minute ish match that I watched it and I was going, I wish this match was happening in two years and it was a open the dream gate title match. And Kota Minor has to get over the hump of his former mentor. Cause that's what this match felt like to me. And maybe that is my own mind cannon, just like influencing thing, but the way that it has worked and the way that they eventually got to a point where it, it was Doi basically unloaded everything but the muscular bomb. And Minora was able to kick out of everything. Some devastating jumping highs in this. Doi remains one of the, he might be my right now, my wrestler of the 2020s with how much I've really enjoyed him so far. And I, at least for me, I thought this was a really special match. And I wish that this match was not happening now. I wish this match was happening a couple of years from now for Minora getting that one over his former leader. Well, in the short term, what this did, I agree with all of those things. This was, more importantly than anything, this was a good, tough match for Minora. Tough from the sense that it was, you know, a 50-50 contest. But more importantly, it was tough physically. You know, Doi didn't hold anything back. Minora was very physical himself. And we're now in a place, after World last year, Minora was so de-emphasized. And they've started poking their head around here and there. Well, is Minora going to be a main eventer again? He's in the big six, this, that, the other thing. I'm ready. I'm back on the Minora train. I think he's losing King of Gate in the finals to Shimizu. And I think after that, he has the green flag to go about and do his thing on the next level, on that main event stage, in the final match on the show. This was such a great way to close this show. And Minora specifically... I thought was great here. So I, I, I think what really kind of like, like where we differ on this week is you're more up on how the Mochizuki Kakuda match was worked. And I like the fact that this was kind of a match that we shouldn't be getting yet. Yeah. And I still really like this. Oh, it, it, it was something that like, I'm I'm completely w- well aboard here with you about Minora. I think I don't have a full bracket put out, but it's Minora versus Shimizu feels incredibly likely at this point. And it's really set up in a way that Minora, I, I guess we can talk now, move on to more just overall King of Gate thoughts. Minora has a pretty easy route other than Yoshioka coming up in Gifu. If, if things go chalky, it should be Yoshioka, versus Minora in the quarterfinals. And after that, that's Minora's tough match before King Gate Finals. So just pencil that in. But are we sure, and I know this is real hot takey, are we sure we get Minora versus Yoshioka and they won't have Kamei this weekend that matches on the 14th in Nagoya? They won't have Kamei just roll Yoshioka up with a jackie knife, put that off, and then we get Minora versus Kamei instead. Then Kamei has to beat DK, and I don't see them doing that twice with him. Mm. I, I, I don't mm. think this okay. is... Two- all right, but yeah, that's fair. I, I don't think it's 2003, basically. Okay, all right, so so we're going to get... We're going to get... It'll, it'll be Yoshioka or Kamei against Dragon Kid. It's Minora versus Tamanaga. Minora will win that. We'll get the winner of Yoshioka versus Dragon Kid, and the winner of that will go to Korkin in the semifinals. And they will wrestle some combination of Dragon Daya, UT, Hyo, or KZ 
yeah, so probably I, I don't think we're getting 2020 again with Hio, especially the fact that it's in Nagoya. Let UT get that one win. You don't really do anything with him outside of that. He can lose. They, they've been have pushing a really that good... UT needs a win. UT hasn't really had a win since he returned from injury. Right. So I feel like it's safe to say that it's going to be UT over Hio, especially with Hio, we both think, is going to be faced by this time next year. Uh, UT and KZ coming up, that, that would set that up uh, in Ishikawa. KZ's like in this place now where you can't really, I, I don't feel confident putting KZ too far with at least with how this bracket's set up, but there's like, he, he should be considered a favorite in his quadrant, even though Daya is going to enter whatever match happens in that quarterfinals as a fresh person getting the bye because of Yamato and Don Fuji going to a draw. Yeah, you know, I am very much of the belief for KZ to really do anything substantial, he's going to have to go through some changes. The benefit you have here is if you want to put Minora in the finals, the King of Gate 2021 finals was KZ over Minora. I think you could run that back here and have Minora win. That's the only reason I would suggest having KZ in the semi or in the semifinals over Dragon Daya. I just had a sudden realization, Case. We shouldn't be thinking about Minora this year. Okay. Because I think he will go to the finals here. He was in the finals in 2022. He was in the finals in 2021. That means 24. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, I, that's, that, that, that seems to be the timeline. Yeah. So we've kind of looked at that top half of the quadrant. Uh, we'll have time uh, next week, really, to narrow down as the field grows even more tight. Let's take a look at the bottom half of the bracket. We've already talked about... UT and Hio and Yuki Yoshioka and Jackie Funky Kame are on Nagoya. We have two other first round matchups in Nagoya. Yazushi Kanda versus Strong Machine J. That match is still on as of time of recording, as well as Ishin versus Minorita. I I, I, I want to tackle Ishin and Minorita first, case. Uh, do you, with Ishin being Brave Gate champion, Minorita being the uh, the the, the uh, second previous one to him here. What's your mind about a Minorita upset? I think they go with Minorita simply to avoid doing Kakuta versus Ishin, Dreamgate versus Bravegate. Kakuta versus Ishin. So, so you would say that Suji Kondo, who would face the winner of Ishin versus Minorita, we should just already say who wins Ishin versus Minorita is getting the quarters. I think Kondo would beat Minorita. I think Ishin would beat Kondo. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that that would be a big stamp on Ishin's shoulders, that being the Brave Division power fighter, if he's able to take out the original power fighter. Yes, very much so. And then that leads us with the last first round match. Uh, uh, Kanda versus Strong Machine J. It's something where you look at Strong Machine J. I, I'm just going to lay this out for you, Kay, so you, you feel free to, to push back on this. Uh the schedule right now is that they, they're they going to go four days in a row. Nagoya, Kyoto, Ishikawa, and Saitama. Strong Machine J schedule would be Kanda on the 14th in Nagoya. The next day in Kyoto. Kyoto is a live stream. It would be against Big Boss Shimizu. I'm just going to put this out here. I think Strong Machine J, they get him to beat Kanda somehow, and then he's going to be beaten by Shimizu and will go away for repairs. I think that's that's what they're going to do here. Yeah, so that 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 leads Shimizu into the quarters uh facing the winner of Binke and Susumu Mochizuki. That's happening in uh, 
uh, Ishikawa. I, I are we getting too cute with Reiwa Six? Uh, big boss Shimizu's uh, big uh, fight climb through people that he feels like he's better of. Like, are we counting out Susumu Mochizuki in this match against Benke? Mm, I I just think there's so much more value for the storyline of Shimizu beating his former tag team partner in Ben K than beating his former tag team partner in Susumu Mochizuki. Big Ben colliding and Shimizu getting a win is a huge win for Ben K. And that show will be, that match will be televised. Yeah, that that's match, in Kobe. Yep, that match is in Kobe. They Kind of a wild way of doing the, their TV formatting this year. They have two Kobe quarterfinal matchups. Neither of the other ones in Yamaguchi or Gifu or on the stream, you would think that maybe you do one from one top, half one from the other. That's not the case with that. Uh, that leaves it, us this here's how Here's how I would phrase this. I think they're getting too cute if Shimizu doesn't run through the Reiwa 6. Right. Like, the, the, the only other story is that in his third attempt, Kota Minora puts down a someone else across from him in King of Gate, and that's completely contrary to any other story. Yeah. So... That, that that's at least with like streaming wise that there's one last match that will happen this week and this is a second round match yeah, you've already indicated that you think uh the open dream gate champion madoka kakuda will advance on past the kasa yoshida yeah it, it, it's something worth where you yoshida is on his cycle uh it, when you're going against the Dreamgate chance, if this was 10 years ago yeah yoshida wins and gets a title match i just don't see that being the reality we're in anymore no, I I think there's a 0% chance of that. Yep, and I'm with you on that. Uh, just to run through this one more time, just at least at least the matches before the next time we record. Uh, they have four shows that are coming up. Uh, Nagoya on the 14th, Kyoto on the 15th, Ishikawa on the 16th, Saitama on the 17th. Nagoya, Ishikawa, and Saitama, those three, they will have the digests up on YouTube. Kyoto, of course, like all Kyoto shows, will be on the Dragon Gate Network. Uh, those matches, again, for Nagoya, finishing out the first round, UT versus Hio, Yoshioka versus Kamei, uh, Kanda versus Jay, and Ishin versus Minorita. The match that we have in Kyoto will be Big Boss Shimizu versus the winner of Yazushi, Kanda, and Strong Machine Jay. Matches we have in Ishikawa are KZ versus the winner of UT and Hio, as well as Dragon Kid versus the winner of Yoshioka and Kamei, as well as the third match, Binkei versus Susumu Mochizuki. And then the last two matches that we have for King of Gate coming up this week from Saitama, Punch Tomonaga versus Kota Minora, and then Suji Kondo versus the winner of Ishin and Minorita. Case, by the time we will talk, we will have the quarterfinals of King of Gate figured out. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. And do you have anything else you want to add on for this week? I do not. So that's going to do it for this week on Open the Voice Gate. Thanks for everyone for listening. Just a uh, just a quick little aside. Uh, special thanks to everyone who has been with us for the, our Kobe World coverage. Without getting too navel gazy here, it was, at least by my recollection, our most downloaded time that we've ever had on Open the Voice Gate. So thanks for everyone for coming to, to uh, listen to our coverage, read our coverage on Voices of Wrestling. Uh, and and tell least... more people to listen to it. We can only grow from here. Yeah, no, we can only grow. It, it, it's foreseeable. It's foreseeable that this little podcast speaking about a uh, promotion in not its native language, that's not even the biggest promotion in its country, 
can maybe grow even more. But thanks for everyone to do that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Open VoiceGate. Case is at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Case, should we bother with Blue Sky or Threads? No. No. Yep, so. I, no. They're, no. Admit, no. Th- threads, jury's still out on, but no. Blue Sky, no. I, we're not doing that. All right, so you're just going to catch us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Again, cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week to talk about the Elite Eight and King of Gate 2023. Take care, everyone. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives. It's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in. Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. Hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.